0: Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Bruntz. It is the middle of the week, headed in towards Nebraska versus Illinois, under the lights in Champaign, the worst Big Ten town in the conference. Gentlemen, do you agree with that assessment?
1: I can get on board with that. I think, uh, trying to think what would be second. Evanston. No.
0: Yeah, you, no. you're just all in on Evanston giant northwestern guy over. Penn here. State's
1: weird but it's not bad.
0: Yeah I've never done Penn State, so I can't say on that.
1: Uh I would say that I was Indiana was okay.
0: I had a blast in Bloomington, so I'm I'm pro Bloomington. But uh I also That was the year the Indians lost World Series that you were yeah, there, thanks. right?
2: Yeah it was. <laughs> <laughs> Way to correlate those things. Were, whatever. They, were they up three one?
0: In the World Series they were yes. Yeah. <laughs> But they lost? They didn't win.
2: Okay. I wasn't even paying attention when you asked whatever question you asked, sort of like <laughs> most of my schooling. So.
0: You were focused on the World Series in
2: 2016? No, I was I was looking off into the distance. Brian, uh, what is I the asked w- if
0: you think that Champaign is a worse Big Ten town.
2: Um, You know, I haven't really been around the town a lot, so I don't want to bad-mouth them without experiencing. This it. is a show that believes in disparaging. Just no matter what, yes. like it probably sucks if you. Yeah. If in doubt, it probably sucks. So Seems that way. Uh, but I would say it's very, as you would expect for a program that's been wandering in the wilderness. It's very um, stale around the stadium on game day when I've been there. <laughs> Except for the, there is a cool like a red Grange. Yeah, the, the Red Grange
1: statue is cool. The other thing that they do that not a lot of Big Ten schools do is you can damn near back your camper like right up to the stadium uh, if, yeah. if you want to tailgate. Get get in there nice and tight, um,
2: whether or not you're a booster. So that that's something else to appreciate. Ryan Held said today he thinks it'll be a they'll be pumped up because it's their Big Ten opener and it's a night game. Well, they're, uh, they're giving they, away tickets too. Yeah, I was. What do you think? <laughs> I d- I I don't expect necessarily a amazing environment, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean maybe maybe there's a a, a flood of a fighting Illini fans coming down. I don't know. I doubt it. Yeah, but probably not.
0: There. Uh, I, I talked with Jeremy Warner of of the Illinois twenty four seven site, and he actually said that Illinois right now doesn't want to bring recruits to home games because their atmosphere has been a little lackluster, so uh, I think the loss to Eastern Michigan is probably going to provide a fairly sleepy uh, Saturday night game under the lights, which we we sort of experienced when Nebraska played Friday night there uh, against Illinois in 2017, so, uh, you know, back-to-back night games in Champaign.
1: Hmm. W- I don't really remember a lot from that game, like... It was we were pretty forgettable. a lot of
0: Dave Remington jokes because it was after, it was the first game after he had been yeah. announced as the interim AD. It
2: was a Friday and, night. Uh, yeah, I remember the Friday night because we drove the day of, and it was kind of a long day. Yeah, it was a it was a very forgettable game in which a very bad Nebraska team looked far superior to Illinois. Well, that was the one where Illinois had their qu-
0: their starting quarterback was moved to tight end like the next week, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, ben Stilley had a really nice game. That day, uh, Stanley Morgan had a bunch of drops. That's what people were talking about. But he still had like a ton of receiving yards. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that's that's sort of the game that people point at as to why he didn't have two thousand yard receiving seasons. Ah.
2: Um, oh, Zigbo had a decent game. He always yeah. played well at Illinois. Yep. Yeah. He played well in the game they lost in bizarre fashion too. Yeah. That was his first like uh, kind of introduction to the Nebraska fan base. It's
1: probably the weirdest game I think I've ever covered was that one. And there's been some real weird ones, but
0: that was the weirdest game? Yeah. Because it was on a Friday?
1: No 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 the 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 one
0: that was twenty fifteen. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a weird game.
2: It was uh Where you almost had to intentionally be like, Here. Yeah Here, take my sandwich. Yeah, take this win. <laughs> yeah. Well On let's, that note. Let's
0: uh, before we get too deep into Illinois, which we will have the hype cast, and we will attempt to get you hyped for oh, this game will. at seven p.m. in Champaign on what I assume is the Big Ten Network or some other provider. It's Raycom Sports, I think, is televising it. <laughs> you can you can watch it on Facebook. Yeah, it's it's part of the double header with Hawaii. Whoever Hawaii's is playing that day <laughs> is going to follow at oh. at eleven. Uh, So we'll have the hype cast, and uh, we'll we'll get more into the Illinois game there. Let's talk northern Illinois. Nebraska won that game 44-8. to eight. We recorded probably the best podcast we've ever had that nobody Jeez, was able to hear. It amazing. Uh, at least the best one since Brian and I did one without that The audio quality was so bad. We lost multiple listeners for the rest of the Oh, we life. got
2: lambasted for that. Yeah, that was... We uh, took some heat. That was not good. You're <laughs> not allowed to not be here. Was that in May?
0: Yes. Okay. It sounded like... <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was bad. Um, and we had to work to get to that thing to 25 minutes. If I knew it was going to be so bad, we would have skipped the whole thing. But wow. Anyways, Northern Illinois, what do you remember? Uh, what are your thoughts from the game? We'll start with Bruns.
1: Well, I mean, it was a complete game, which Nebraska needed to have. I thought that they played four quarters of solid defense. The offense looked bad. As good as it has um, this season, I, th- I think it was the ultimate get right game after Colorado, and kind of gave everybody a kind of the warm fuzzies heading into uh, conference play. So I don't know. I mean, I, there's not there wasn't a ton to quibble with. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It it, it felt like a non conference game should feel, and I think that's kind of what Nebraska needed there.
2: Brian, <laughs> well, I think I think the defense has played 10 and a half to 11 really good quarters of football. So I think if there's one thing, you know, you'd say going into the conference play in, that, in this last game, I think, helped solidify that idea is they have made a lot of strides on that side of the ball, it seems like, especially stopping the run. So uh, I I was impressed by how they, they just completely took that away. Darian Daniels had a very good game. After kind of a lackluster first week, I think, the last two weeks you've seen him kind of live up to the hype as the nose guy, and Northern Illinois coach even afterward was basically like, yeah, he kind of messed up everything for us. Uh, so that that was really good to see. I like the goal line stand, you know, that sort of stuff is encouraging. Like even when you're up a lot, like you're gonna f- scrap for every inch, uh, any given Sunday style. Um, so that that was that was good. The offense, you know. I don't want to rip them because, leading into that game, the whole talk was, "Hey, Northern Illinois plays this aggressive slanting style defense where they're going to make plays behind the line. They're going to get you for no gainers. You're going to have to hit them for some explosives." So the game plays out exactly that way. I don't want to like go back on all the words that were said the previous week and act like you know there wasn't some success when you get 525 yards and 44 and you points. Hit with some big plays. I do think, and Scott Frost, I think said this this week that it's not quite there yet it, whatever it is like O-line and stuff you don't feel like it's quite polished and the fan base feels that and maybe it's because the expectations were so in the clouds for the offense because it's year two and Martinez and all that but I've made the comparison this week it's like kind of watching like Tiger or somebody like speeth off who can piece together a good round of golf and make some amazing shots but that feels like they're in scramble mode a little bit they're not consistent off the tee, and that's kind of how I feel watching the offense so far this year.
0: Yeah. What I liked from that game, we'll start on the offensive side of the ball, it was good to see Dedrick Mills got downhill, he was more explosive in that game than he had been in the other two, he went for more than 100 yards first time, someone's done that against Northern Illinois for 18 games, so that's uh, impressive in itself, and then I, I think that it's a small thing, but I really liked how aggressive they were to go get that score before halftime. Uh, kind of, I know. came down with his first career Nebraska touchdown catch. Michael Bruns raises his hand in the air. That was a bold prediction, win for him, first of the season, I believe. Yes. Uh, so, and it even came with a review, mm-hmm. and that uh, that extra oddly specific prediction made it even better. But I I think that it's good when they get aggressive like that. They they looked a little bit different at times on Saturday when they put Adrian on the move. They let him throw on the move a little bit. I think they have to work that into their offense until they get the tempo to where they want it, and they are starting to snowball some teams. So I, I liked what they did on offense. It was great to see Maurice Washington with a couple big plays. Uh, you saw a little bit more tight end involvement. You saw some other wide receivers get involved. Defensively, I mean, this is continues to be as they said it would. They were going to take away the run from teams and then force everybody to adjust to that, and – They had a couple coverage breakdowns. They had a couple communications issues that allowed guys to run free and better quarterbacks would have hit them, and it might have changed the game a little bit. But if they clean up some of that, uh, there's a lot to like with what they did defensively as well. So, overall, I mean, I thought it was a really positive game for Nebraska. Certainly when you win by 36 and the spread was 14, uh, they more than took care of business. And they didn't give up a touchdown. I mean, they they gave up really six points defensively and the offense gave up two points. Uh which the offense needs to stop giving away possessions on their own third of the field. They've I done that in every game so far. Yeah. It is uh it is absolutely going to hurt them in conference play if that continues.
2: I think that's probably why people were a little annoyed still, the people who were annoyed. But the defense, back to them, nine takeaways and I think we've talked about it on this podcast. Before the season, if if they could get that number of takeaways in twelve games up to like high twenties or something, we like their chances in the West. Now, obviously, you have to make those takeaways happen, and they they're gonna need to come in the to a couple of key games that are gonna decide this thing. Uh, you can't have like five against Illinois and none against Wisconsin, you know? Or Ohio State. And that's though. how that stat works. But uh, it's really encouraging that they are that aggressive style of defense, sort of like the UCF group where it's like, you know, we'll get you the ball back and get you some good field position too. So that's good.
1: The the, the goal line stand I thought was important um, late in that game just for the from the standpoint of just not bending. I mean, you, you had Eli Sullivan making a nice play on fourth down. Uh, Damian Daniels getting a stop uh, on third down. I mean, that, that – that and then the, the possession that you talked about right before halftime where they went down and scored. I mean, th- those are two – you don't want to assign too much weight to something like that, but those are those are key things that you can build off of, I think, in the future. The confidence. Builders. Right, right.
0: Um, there were a couple notable injuries, Brunts, in that game. What do we know about Cam Taylor-Britt and Brendan hymus at this point?
1: Uh, well, after – Brennan Hymus practiced in some form or fashion today. He was in full pads, um, leaving the practice field. He was quite sweaty, so he uh, w- was doing some exertive activity of some kind. Uh, Greg Austin said after practice that Hymus was limited, uh, but just based on you know how he looked coming off the field, it seemed like he was doing a little bit more than just standing around and watching. So... That's a good sign. It seemed like it was more of an ankle thing rather than, you know, any kind of knee or, or something like that that would be, you know, a potential season-ender. So, uh, you know, Greg Austin said today, too, they, they really like what they've seen improvement-wise from Brock Bando, who stepped in in the fourth quarter, played pretty well uh, against Northern Illinois. Obviously, going up against Big Ten talent is a little bit of a, a different animal, but uh, they, they feel – relatively confident that he can step in and and give them snaps there if they have to rather than having to upset the entire offensive line and move guys around and, and that kind of thing because the thing to remember when that staff got here they were really thin on uh, depth at, at offensive tackle they had to move one of the, matt Sichterman into guard uh, they've, they've kind of shuffled things around they moved bando out to tackle and, and he's done pretty well there. Uh, Greg Austin actually said he he more than anybody on the offensive line ha- has improved uh, the most since since Nebraska's been uh, since Frost has been there. So they feel good about it. But it you know if you were kind of getting concerned about what Hymas's long term prognosis is, the fact that he was practicing on Wednesday I think is a good sign. Maybe not for this week, but def- definitely going forward.
2: Think about. In the summer when we did our most indispensable Huskers list, how that's been dinged, Pickering was on there. Uh, Cam Taylor was on there, Cam Mm Taylor-Britt. And uh, Hymas, what did we have him, two or three? Yeah, I think he was – Deontay Williams was, was like, in the top five. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is – they've been challenged the first few weeks with – these aren't just – little you know this is a second team guy who's playing 10 to 12 snaps for you type of stuff right and the cam taylor Britt one that's the one that worries me the most like you want you want him to come back as quickly as possible because i just feel like he changes the entire mentality of the secondary because he's kind of got he's got that balls to the wall attitude about playing football and uh even on the play where he got beat that was sort of a Cam Taylor brick. It It's like the good and the bad of him a little bit in one play because he, he, he wanted to get in there and stick that guy or, you know, cover him up, and then he's gone. Uh, but you've seen him make so many plays. So I wonder at safety if uh, if we see a little bit more of the walk-ons too. Um, Stalbert, standing next to Stalbert the other day, that guy looks like any recruit that's been on scholarship. He is an impressive-looking kid, and he's going to play key snaps for this team at some point in his career beyond special teams. I will bank on that. And Eli Sullivan, we're starting to figure out about him. He's like one of the smartest football guys they have on the roster, it sounds like. Like Guys talk about how he's basically just a GA out there. Um, And so I wonder if in a week like this he can help you kind of get through just by his knowledge – um, and you, you know where he, you have a guy who knows where he's supposed to be. Do, do
1: we see any young guys that are really getting closer on Miles Farmer? Noah Pola-Gates, those, those guys who have played now. Um, Pola-Gates has played twice, and uh, Farmer played once against Northern Illinois.
2: Without getting greedy or cocky, this would be a nice game for them to get that 17-point type of lead third quarter or whatever and maybe you can sprinkle in some of those guys for snaps like Farmer and just see how they handle it and that's why getting leads in September I think is so critical now with this new rule because it allows you to actually see how does this guy respond when we're actually keeping stats and this goes in the media guide forever this score you know what what type of player is he then and uh, I would think one of those guys could emerge. Quentin Newsome, it seems like, is um, – I don't know. Do you think he's going to sail past the red shirt? Um, I think he he's – when we kind of ran through that list, he was a guy that I think we
1: both said was going to do that in part because I think they need him on special teams. And I, I forget who it was mentioned, you know, in, in terms of snaps and how much – the starters are playing. One thing they'd kind of like to do is to get some of those starters off of special teams units. And that's where a guy like Newsom or Farmer or yeah. Paula Gates or somebody like that can help you out by, by giving you a little bit of depth there.
2: Has Paula Gates played in two games or one?
1: He's been credited with two.
2: Okay. So that's something to watch. Yes. Um, I think Braxton Clark is going to be important this season mm-hmm. still. You you called it last week. You said he was gonna
1: get in there a little bit, and he had his his Well, I
2: I had heard from a little bird that he was like getting some good reps, and that's not surprising with some of the injuries. But I think he's now with Cam Taylor Britt recovering. He's to me the third corner, so it it just makes sense like they're gonna have he's gonna have to be involved in some of these games.
0: Yeah, and I I think we had even talked about him at some point when we were going through fall camp and. I mean, I, I was sort of under the idea that with Cam Taylor being as busy as he would be with a nickel or potentially at safety, that if there was like a long-term injury to either Boodle or to Lamar Jackson, like Braxton Clark was going to be the next guy. And they Fisher has been talking about him since fall camp of his freshman year. I mean, this is a guy that they they thought would be a little bit slower to come along than he actually has been. And the only thing that's probably prevented him from not playing more has been really good play from Boodle and Jackson, especially this year. But at the end of last year, he also has been kind of slowed with a couple different injuries. And so when he's been healthy and he's been out there, they've been really excited about what he's doing as a corner in this program.
2: Lamar had a great quote, too after the game about how Braxton, after he got his pick, was in almost tears about it. And uh, it was coming from someone in Lamar who's been there kind of, where it's like you're you're – Lamar played more early in his career, but he was fighting to find the big play or that play where people recognize you as doing a good job out there. And I think it's so huge in this day and age where a lot of guys expect it to happen so fast. That by that second year, sometimes you get just even if it's just a little play in a game that's a 28 point game, if you make it and people are writing sidebars about you and you know the guys are slapping you on the helmet, I think that's a huge deal to like kind of keep pushing you. And so, that, that, that's, that's why I think it's important if you can. And those guys are close to get them on the field sometimes because it it keeps them encouraged. We saw some guys who left in the off season who had promised, like uh, um, Cam Jones, and I think C.J. Smith. Yeah, and I don't I don't know the full stories there necessarily, but I think it was discouraging for a guy like Cam Jones because he was hurt and it's just like nothing happened his first fall, and so it becomes hard when a guy's away from home and you're mm-hmm. suddenly the game you love so much. You're just not playing it at all. Yeah, and
0: uh that secondary is going to be really interesting just sort of watching going forward. I you guys mentioned if they're able to to put some of these Big 10 games into different territory score-wise that allows them to to get some of these guys on the field. I mean Miles Farmer got out there. He's a guy that you're going to want to continue to hear about that he's pushing that, you know, I I've been high on Stallbird. I think we've all been really impressed by Eli Sullivan, but you know, if Miles Farmer can continue to, to grow and show that he deserves reps, you're going to see him maybe moving up to where he's right there with those guys uh, behind the first group at safety. So it's a, it's a never-ending battle. I know that we, we roll our eyes sometimes when it's, you know, nothing is given all of this stuff. But the way that Travis Fisher and, and those guys want that defensive back room to work is that their third-string guy is every bit as hungry and every bit as good as their first-string guy and that their first-string guy knows that he can't take any plays off. I mean, that's just – that's how he is. That's how he built that room at UCF. That's why he left the deepest position room that they had there and came to the thinnest one that they had at Nebraska in this transition, and he's done a really nice job. The, the culture of that room is so radically different from the previous defensive back coaches that we have all covered uh, for the last eight years or whatever it would be. Um, so I think that's a lot of where their success or their, their confidence maybe comes from is what he has sort of built up through that competition. Let us take a time out here. When we come back, we are going to hand out some awards. Uh, we don't have names for the awards yet unless we come up with it during the quick break. I brought trophies, though. You, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and a we, jacket, a green jacket. We can't really engage. Engrave them though, because
1: oh, I, I figured I was just guessing is is you guys you are going to say. It? Are they generic yeah.
2: trophies? Did you really bring generic trophies? Yeah. Jeez. You couldn't it's put, like put the football. wheel in the vehicle because of the trophies. Is that what happened?
1: <laughs> the, we need to replenish <laughs> topics. Is the problem?
0: Uh, oh. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll work on a new wheel, but we we have trophies apparently uh, being handed out here, and we'll also get into some recruiting. It was a good recruiting weekend for Nebraska. We'll go through what has happened there. We'll discuss. A little bit uh, looking ahead to Ohio State. And uh, maybe we'll throw in a couple things from baseball and volleyball before we let you go this week as well. Brunt seems confused. Baseball, volleyball. It's fall baseball. We've got a loaded second half of the show. Yeah, well, that's why people need to stick around.
1: Okay.
2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Did you stick around? Are you hearing my voice right now? If you did, we're back. This is Husker Twenty Four Seven podcast with Mike Schaefer, Brian Christofferson, Michael Bruns. We have trophies. Look at those. Wow, they're amazing. Did you? You didn't build these? No, I ordered them. You paid money for them?
1: Yes. And I'm going to awkwardly give these to each of the recipients after practice <laughs> next week. S- they're so tall. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Do you like how I'm looking at them? <laughs> Will you put one on the, the table
0: before, you know, Scott Frost talks on Thursday? I'll put it right next to that Mountain Dew bottle. <laughs> just Just on it, it says participation, which yeah. is pretty great. Yep. <laughs> okay. Book it. What, uh, what category of a trophy do you want to uh, attempt to hand out first?
1: Uh, biggest, these are non-conference play awards. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Non-con
0: play award trophy for? Biggest surprise of non-conference play. All right, BC, who's a candidate?
2: Biggest surprise. Who would mm. you
0: give
1: your fake and, in this case, real trophy to?
2: You got one. You got one. You got one. I've, got got one. One. I've got one. Go go. I've got one. I'm thinking. Colin
0: Miller. Colin Miller has been great. I uh, I didn't know what to think with him at the inside linebacker spot. I really didn't know what Nebraska was going to get out of either Colin Miller or Will Honus. Both have been good. I feel like Colin Miller has been maybe a little better. Uh, so I think Colin Miller to me has been the biggest surprise. Brunt, BC. Which one of you? Okay, I'll go.
2: Um, I guess I'm not. I'm not surprised that he's playing well. That's but, not a surprise, then. Okay, the BC's <laughs> sitting this one out for the
0: moment. What? No, go ahead. What were you going to say?
2: you got to be surprised. Oh, I'm really surprised. At, I, I meant to say I'm not surprised that he's playing well solid but i did he took it to another level. yes line. that's what i was getting at and i was gonna say uh, khalil davis who that sound might sound stupid because he was the defensive lineman of the year as the coaches decided last season he also represented nebraska at big Ten media days i know and so there's a lot of holes you could <laughs> poke in me picking khalil davis this is the best segment ever but he's net but what i'm getting at is he's never jumped off like he has to me Yeah, Uh, like where it's just like, man, he's a freaking animal. And like you're starting to see like I start to see a guy who can even play at the next level. And I've never I don't know. I don't want to go too far with that yet. I don't know. But he he's at least making me think those thoughts where I didn't have them in the past.
0: I think that's fair because I I mean, I've been guilty of basically saying before the season that, you know, the Davis twins are fine players. But Nebraska needs the guys behind them to jump ahead of them because it just didn't feel like they were going to get to that level. Uh, and both Khalil and
2: Carlos, I think, have had various moments this season where they played really good football. Yeah, both of them. And with that surprise, you could say, I'm surprised they run it, the rushing total is as low as it is already at 2.18, though I don't think they can hold it there. Going With Big Ten play, it's going to get tougher, but that's a surprise.
0: Here's a question that neither of you would have an answer to off the top of your head. Go ahead. We'll, we'll get to it. Okay. I've got a I'm good just, surprise. Just, what, what is the lowest total that Nebraska has held opponents to rushing-wise? for the duration of a season. Oh, I don't know. That's in the media guide, though. Yeah. I'll, I'll All right. Anyways, somebody can email us with that answer someday. Uh,
1: mine is Lamar Jackson. Uh, there was a we, – we got to see the Nebraska drill in fall camp, and Lamar, I believe, was the third guy in, in, yes. the, in the, the drill. Basically, he was the, the last line of defense. And uh, – he kind of like threw himself at the guy's like ankles. And it was a poor tackle, a poor attempt at a tackle. And I have to admit that I was I was a little down on Lamar after seeing that because we've been hearing about how he was playing more physically, all this other stuff. He's really played well this year. But, you know, not only as, in terms of forcing turnovers, uh, he's playing the ball better. He's willing to hit a little bit more than, than what we've seen uh, from him the previous three years, enough so that you're kind of like, okay, this, guy, this guy's going to get some looks from NFL teams and not just because, you know, he, he's got the length that he has. He's actually backed it up a little bit on film as well. So I will say Lamar Jackson. What's the next category? The next category is biggest question mark
2: remaining for you after non-conference play. Uh, it's to me, it's the Nebraska offensive line, and just like, can you really trust these guys? I guess is how I would put it. Like they're, I believe they're gonna get explosive plays throughout the year. But I am curious if they can um, if they can keep Adrian clean enough in some of these games and some of the pass pro can hold up, and especially if there's an injury at left tackle, Um, So I'm still wavering on the O-line. Troy Walters a week ago said they are average at that point, and maybe they took a little bit of a step forward. I don't know exactly what Greg said today about them, Greg Austin, but um, I'd say those guys.
1: Okay. This is going to be really awkward to give this trophy to these people, by the way. I, uh, (laughs) thanks. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I don't know about you guys.
2: (laughs) It's such a tall trophy, though. It's like two feet. This isn't like
0: any one of specific position group. It's just sort of the team as a whole. It's basically, can they finish games? Like, can they, do they have the mental toughness to put teams away? I mean, I still think that's a very fair question here in year two. Uh, they didn't, they did it last year to Michigan State, essentially, but otherwise didn't really pop up into any of that. Maybe the Minnesota game. Uh, their first real test against. Colorado, they failed in that regard. I just, I kind of want to know if this team can handle uh, the swings and and sort of the the momentum and and all of it because through three weeks, I don't know if I have a good register on what version of Nebraska is going to show up in conference play. Are we going to see the the guys that finished the year in November? Or are we going to see the the team that struggled to put away Colorado and Northwestern and lost those games? Uh, so. I'm still very much unsure if they have the ability to, to finish the job at hand and play 60-minute football.
1: My biggest question, Mark, is whether Adrian Martinez, if we see the Adrian Martinez from last year more consistently, I think we've seen it in very small bursts through three games. And I know that Nebraska feels that he's played well for the most part through three games, but... It doesn't feel like we've seen that next step, I guess, um with him as a quarterback, and I'll be curious to see if we see that. I'm I'm still uh a little unsure of that, and I th- I think if if he makes that that step during conference play, I think Nebraska with the way that de- the defense is playing can be pretty dangerous, but uh that that's my biggest question mark is is what number 2 can do. All right. Third one. What were you wrong about? Going in what how something much, that you how much time we got? Well, just one thing. Oh. I guess this is I don't know if you get the trophy here or if whoever you're wrong about gets it, but somebody's getting a trophy. So what were you wrong about? At the start of going into the season and, and where you're at now. I can go first if you'd like like me to sure. buy you some time. I was uh, skeptical of Nebraska's secondary. Um we'd heard a lot about their Forcing more turnovers in practice and wanting to take a step forward in that area, I, I kind of needed to see that before, um, you know, we before believing it. And I think through three games, they've shown that they can do that. You know, Nebraska's nine uh, has nine takeaways, fifth in the country in that stat. So I will admit that I was my skepticism about Nebraska's secondary was unwarranted.
0: Hmm. I have mine if you. Need more time, Brian.
2: I got one, but I'd I'd lay to hear yours. Uh, Just don't steal mine.
0: I I mean, I was very wrong, and then I thought this offense would be able to kind of hit the ground running from week one. Um, I fully expected that Adrian Martinez would be a Heisman candidate all season. Right now, that seems like a pipe dream at the moment. Goodbye,
1: though, if you want Um, in.
0: Yeah. Uh, Not if you got it in August when uh, sports gambling was legal in Iowa. I'll tell you that much. But – it's just a situation of I completely overestimated their ability to transition without some key cogs. I I underestimated how hard it would be for Dedrick Mills to get into the flow of things, uh, both with what he's seeing on the field and then also being able to continue to master the offense. And I probably overestimated where I thought Adrian Martinez was at the end of last season relative to where he is right now. So. I still think that that version of the offense is out there, and I still think that the version of Nebraska we talk about in November can be dramatically different than the one that we've talked about so far in September, but they've got a little ways to
2: go yet. I'll do a few bullet point ones that have come to my mind as you were talking. BC Uh, wants more than one. Well, it'll be really quick. I have one main one It's a positive one, Alex Davis. Um, In in fairness, we we kept writing about Alex Davis even when I know a lot of people were – throwing tomatoes at the stories like yeah right um so there was that but i admit to kind of having that skepticism that everybody else carried like come on we've seen we've seen the story on this guy you're telling me he's really going to be the the outside the one of the main outside linebackers and i've basically been wrong about how the outside linebacker position would look as a whole you know i didn't i thought it was going to be tyron ferguson and Doman starting right off the bat, and obviously some injuries and other things changed that. Ferguson hasn't been that heavily involved, and Alex Davis has. So uh, good for Alex Davis for making it happen his senior year. A couple of quick ones that haven't been as impressive is the tight ends, I thought, would have a lot more receiving yards to this point. Still could happen because I think they're very capable, but it has not opened up in this offense. And the other one, I guess, is the the running backs. Um, I I sort of bought into the idea that they could replace Ozigbo easy enough, and to this point I'm not sold that they can yet.
1: All right, last one. Uh, your
2: non-Adrian
1: Martinez MVP through three games
0: for Nebraska. Do you want one on offense and defense nope, or just, just one team? Just one?
1: Yeah. That's all we, all we have trophies for, is just one. <laughs>
0: Well, you could split it in half. No. No. Somebody could give the base have, of the trophy. I don't uh, have the hardware to do that.
2: My last trophy was from the last one goes to Alex Davis, okay. by the way, if we want to write that down. I, got it. I, I will. Uh, <laughs> have the engraver I, put Alex, Alex Davis' name in there. It's
1: like the claret jug. he's working in <laughs> yeah. Schaefer's office right now. <laughs> I wondered
2: who that older gentleman yeah. with the spectacles yeah. was. <laughs> it's just a neighbor he hangs out sometimes.
1: Uh, yeah. Non-quarterback MVP of the first three games for Nebraska.
0: Who is who you got, Brunts? Give us some, give us some time. We didn't know what these questions were ahead of time. As planning is not one of the strong strongs. <laughs> Maurice Washington. Maurice oh, Washington. <laughs> uh, <he> took my. <laughs> Looks <laughs> like a. What he <laughs> now?
1: He's playing on a completely different level. Uh, he's a game breaker, and you've seen in the last two games uh, what he can do. So, if they can keep getting that big kind of burst play. Um, I think that Nebraska's offense is going to be okay. So Maurice Washington gets my uh,
2: non-Adrian Martinez MVP award of the first three games. Well, I feel like Maurice is the best answer, but I'll give it. He can't hoard all the trophies on this, so I'll say someone on the D line. You could give it to Khalil, but I'm going to go with Darian Daniels. Even though I'd, the first week I didn't, I was like, yeah, not a big deal there. Uh, But the last two weeks, it's gotten progressively better. And I also like that he's sort of got a little bit of an attitude about him where he kind of has this confidence. You can tell why his teammates embrace him because even though some people don't love it when he's like, yeah, we're better than Colorado, we should beat them and that sort of stuff, I kind of think that attitude sits well in the locker room to have a guy who has that sort of confidence and I've been there and I've won big games. So I'll, I'll say Big Darian just for off the field and on the field stuff.
0: I will go with uh, Lamar Jackson. We'll give him another trophy. Uh, He deserves it. He's played well. I do think it's Maurice Washington as well, but if I were to pick a guy from the defense, it'd probably be Lamar or Cam Taylor Britt, and Lamar's healthier and has had at least one major thing he's done in every game. I mean, forced a fumble in the first game, interception in the second game, had four pass breakups in the third game. I mean, he's just been involved. He's done, uh, you know, what you want. I I don't know if people would have thought this, that we're on the previous staff or it was around him when he was a sophomore. But he's really become kind of a a leader in that room and someone that those guys, I think, either look up to or respect and appreciate. And he's come such a long way. So I'm going to go Lamar Jackson. All right, that, that concludes the – That's all the trophies.
2: That's all, the all the trophies, the trophies. The guy, yeah. I was try, right. trying Did to look up that question you asked about rushing.
1: You guys want to talk croots Yeah, why don't you talk, tell us about some croots
0: Nebraska had some crutes in this past weekend. Uh, at least one person involved with the program said they thought it was the most talented group that they have hosted for a game since they started doing such things in 2018. Uh that should be superseded by what will be a busy Ohio State week, which we will mostly discuss during the Ohio State week. But that game being at night means there will be a lot of people for it. But six official visitors, Henry Gray, Miles Slusher, Regan Terry, Nusi Milani, Malani, Tui, Tui Paluto, and Caleb McCullough. And Nebraska, I think, did well with all of them. The, the difficult thing here is, like, say, take Regan Terry, for example – I think Nebraska is in a really good spot. However, his dad works for Boston College. His brother plays for Boston College. He wants to take a few more visits before he makes a decision, and he's looking at a December decision date. Nusi Milani liked his visit. He's looking at a December decision date, though both of them also said, if I'm ready, I will make a decision. But it sounds like they also want to take visits because here's what happens. You get into September. You can take visits. You go on your first official visit. That was a lot of fun. Why would I want to stop the fun? So, it, it, it's hard. I, I think mean, that a lot. Yeah. You. Why would I want to stop why the fun? Why would I want to stop the fun? So, I, they, I mean, they did well with all of these guys. And, and you know, Miles Slusher is really interesting situation. He's committed to Oregon. Uh, the people that really follow the social media scene know that his profile picture is now from Nebraska and it no longer says committed to Oregon on his profile. Uh, he's going to take all of his visits. And that's a, a highly regarded four-star. They had a bunch of 2021s in the over the weekend. They had a. Uh, Some commits I mean you had Marvin Scott came up For an unofficial visit He loved it I mean it's just A a situation where It went well But I think that Rather than try to measure The immediate commitments Right after the weekend You know Put out a few weeks You look at how they had The seven guys in For the barbecue Over the summer And people love that They could end up With four of those seven It just spaced out Over the summer As to when those You immediately got uh, Taman Lyman And you 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 know, you see where it goes from there, and and they ended up getting both running backs, and I think they'll end up with Omar Manning. So it just takes a little bit of time. I know that people very much want the commitments now because Nebraska only has 10, and it, it is looming. I mean, December is definitely going to be here before you know it, and they're going to want to put most of that class to bed. So uh, there's, there's a lot of work left in that regard. But I think they, they had a really strong weekend, um, if you ask me which guy maybe they're closest with coming out of this weekend, uh, I think that they really did a number on Caleb McCullough. Uh, it's going to be hard to pull him out of the West Coast, but Nebraska offered him very early, before the schools out West had, other than I think Arizona might have been the one school that was in before. And they've really gone hard after him. He's got a good relationship with Barrett Rood. He's someone to keep an eye on. Um, Nussi Milani, I thought, might be a potential commit after the weekend. He's got a great relationship with Tony Tuioti, but it seems like they want to at least see a few more places out west. Um, and then I think they did a nice job with Tuli as well. And so we'll we'll see where this this comes in at. The defensive backs, obviously, they they love what they saw, you know. But Miles Slusher has options. Henry Gray, Florida is still looming. It's going to be hard to pull a kid out of Miami. Out of the state of Florida, when he's got the big three right there, they did it with Marvin Scott, but it, it's hard to do. So we'll see kind of where all that goes. But Bruns, let's uh, let's talk about baseball recruiting here. Whoa, they're on fire. Whoa, Will Bolt, guy bans facial hair, and all of a sudden everybody wants in.
1: They, uh, it's been interesting. They they've had a lot of success in state, and that's what they wanted to do. And you know, Nebraska baseball travel baseball, in-state stuff is, is a lot better organized than it was maybe a decade ago. You're seeing guys, a lot more talent come out of the state. Uh, they picked up last week a trio of uh, in-state commitments. Um, Max Peterson out of Lincoln Southwest, uh, Jackson Brock out of Elkhorn South, and Luke Jessen out of Elkhorn South. All three of those guys are 2021 commits. The three, number three, number four, and number five, Recruits in the state of Nebraska, according to Prep Baseball Report, who tracks the hell out of that stuff. Um, you know, Drew Cristo uh, is still out there as a top 50 recruit uh, in Elkhorn, Nebraska. Would love to get him. He's being recruited by Virginia, uh, SEC schools. Uh, so you know that that's kind of the the in-state crown jewel in that class. But uh, I, I think you have to give credit to the staff for quickly getting. Uh, involved with a lot of in-state talent Um, you know I I think that's not I don't think that area was overlooked by the previous staff but I think many in the local baseball community felt like that wasn't where the staff that staff started with recruiting so um, I I think that they're finding guys that that are going to fit what what Will Bolt and his staff look for so uh, I expect you'll probably see a few more recruits um, rolling in as well uh, over the next few uh, few weeks just because this is kind of a, you know, they're hosting a lot of guys, they're having them in for fall ball uh, practices and stuff like that, but a, a good start locally for them.
2: Did you find the stat? Yeah, kind of. You wanted to know the rushing yards per attempt, which they don't have in the media guide, but here's something along those lines. It's in 1967, Huskers. Held teams to 67.5 rushing yards per game. That's the best. And they played how many games that season? Five, um, I guess they only would have counted 11 because they didn't count the bowl game stats, which is why I'm always the guy who kind of reigns on Stanley's parade last year that Johnny Rogers actually still had more rec- receiving yards if you count the bowl game. Um but yeah, 67.5. Nebraska is giving up 82 a game right now. What do you know about that 67 team? Oh man, Whoops. they went
0: six and four. Yeah, they started off the season three and zero with wins against Washington 17-7, Minnesota seven nothing, Kansas State 16-14. Shutting down the run. But then went down to Lawrence, got shut out 10 nothing. Hmm. So they had a heck of a defense on that 67 team. They pitched a shutout against. Texas Christian University, pitched a shutout against Iowa State, pitched a shutout against Oklahoma State, pitched a shutout against Minnesota. They have four
2: shutouts. Legit on defense, I guess. That's what Bob Devaney was bringing in 1967. I'll tell you the game I was looking this up, too, that rushing defense game that stands out when I was a kid in 87. Some older Nebraska fans will remember this with pride. Nebraska held Thurman Thomas, who was starting over Barry Sanders because he was older. Uh, to seven yards in a big game, um, and I was looking up a quote. Husker cornerback Charles Fryer said after that game, "His number is 34, and three and four is seven. That's what he got." <laughs> That's a really good quote. This is
1: a good quote. Yeah,
2: so. wish we could get a little of that after this Nebraska Illinois game in the post game Saturday.
1: That'd be all right. You remember but, the? You remember what the post game area at Illinois looks like? Yeah, <laughs> it's like a would be generously described as a storage closet. Is that fair?
2: Yes, very fair. It, you, have to, you kind of have to meander back by where the trucks come yeah. in and out.
1: You're just, like, sucking diesel fumes.
2: Some storage closets would actually be insulted that you, <laughs> they were compared to.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's uh, Illinois is always an interesting
0: trip. I right?
2: remember Mike Riley after the game where they had the cluster bomb at the end and yeah. lost it. He had to like sneak through the cameras were lined up and it's so th- there's not much space so he had to like kind of do like this maneuver his body to move between the last camera on the wall and there's this he was like tripping over people and it was just like and then the light went off right when he yeah. went up someone accidentally hit the light switch and it went off so that basically was a nice they put like game summation of that they put like a little like church lectern on like on on like an overturned box and that's basically the we should spend a pod, I'm serious, like in a bye week or after the season on just weird post-game setups and yeah. situations. It would be pretty funny, actually. Missouri still yeah. takes the cake. but
0: um, Yeah. You got anything else? I'm going down a 1967 <laughs> Nebraska rabbit hole right now. Oh. Their final game of that season, they lost to, uh, to Oklahoma 21-14. They had seven turnovers in that game. Lost three fumbles, threw four interceptions, out-yardaged the, uh, the Sooners who finished with a grand total of uh, like 250 yards in that win. Uh, but Nebraska's seven turnovers. Couldn't get it done. Wow. Yeah. They had 13 punts. What was happening in 1967? These stats can't be right. <laughs> I refuse to believe it. You think we'll have 13 punts on uh, on Saturday between the two teams combined? 13 punts? No. Oh, Nebraska had it by themselves against Oklahoma in 1967. Good to know. You learned something
1: here today. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, maybe we'll come back with a full season breakdown of 1967 for our next podcast. Or, more likely, we'll try to get you hiked up for Nebraska. We could could
1: do that that in the off season. All right, guys, we're going to break down 1952
2: today. (laughs) Strap in.
0: Look, people might like that. (laughs) I'm actually kind of intrigued by that yeah. idea,
2: Bill Glassford. Uh, what did he have going? We, we could have like
1: guests on that played that year.
0: All right, if you if you need more uh, Oscar 24/7, we will be coming back with the hypecast on Friday. So listen for that. We'll attempt to figure out the technical difficulties with the. Uh, are we calling it the drive home? Yeah. The final well, we drive. We'll be driving. The final drive. Final drive.
2: <laughs> is that what BTN calls
1: it? I, I don't know, but uh, somebody matter. on the board suggested final drive, and I don't hate it. So
0: I'm good with final. That's the
1: leader in the clubhouse.
0: All right, final drive it is. Yep. Uh, if if our technical difficulties are taken care of, we'll have that after the game on Saturday as well. You are listening to Husker Twenty Four Seven
2: Podcast.